welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks, JD. Thanks for having me, bro. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, we um we have a bunch of mutual friends down there in South Carolina. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. A bunch of people that have been on my show, you know, from the from wherever down there in recovery. And yeah. I think that's how we started following each other on Facebook. And then it was about memes. Let's be real. Yeah, absolutely. The <laughs> meme a... game and the recovery game. That's where it's at. <laughs> friendship, friendship based on memes. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to just like you have that buddy you just send memes to and shit or you just that's what it's about. And I think it's because we both find ways to laugh at our shit. You know what I mean? We're not so serious that like. It's like, no, no, I'm going to die if I don't know. We have to find ways to laugh and bring some light to the darkness. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what they talk about a lot in the rooms, you know, is like people are often initially confused whenever they come in because they see us and like we're like talking about like all this like tragic, terrible shit. But we're and laughing. A great time yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you just celebrated the year recently. You just wait. Let us. You just celebrated two things recently, if I'm not mistaken. A year sober and clean, clean sober, and I believe something else is going to happen in about eight months, right? Uh, yeah, actually, um, I just celebrated 16 months, and um, my wife and I are uh, expecting a baby boy. So, congrats, man. That's awesome. I did see that. That's great. That's that's the gifts right there. What they talk about right in the rooms is the gifts of sobriety right there. Because she's in recovery too, right? Yes, sir. You guys didn't meet in rehab, did you? No, we didn't. <laughs> Pretty close though. We actually uh we met. She was ahead uh, went to Charleston Recovery Center here in Charleston, and I was in Oxford at the time, right? And then um, which is you know a sober living uh yeah. situation. And she moved into one of the other Oxford houses. And, like, I don't recommend doing this to anybody because, like, I, I've seen it not work out more often than not. But, like, I was only, like, two months sober when we started dating. And, like, now we're married and we live together and then we've got a baby on the way and shit. And, like, I mean, in my experience, I, I've seen it go fucking terrible. Like, a complete shit show. Like... The spin doctors at the Iowa State Fair type shit show, you yeah. know, but like it just happened to be right with us. You know, it's just been like it's it's been a blessing. Like when we first got together, my buddy Justin was like, she's either going to be a blessing or a lesson. And, you know, we'll find out. And I mean, there's lessons in everything, but so far it's been more blessings than anything. Yeah, I mean. Know? It's it's all about the outlook. If you both are putting your recovery before, you know what I mean. You're, it seems like you both put you're both serious about recovery. Yeah, absolutely. That's you know, like what, like drew us to each other to begin with is the fact that like we were serious about sobriety. Yeah, and then it was almost like that was your buddy at first, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, like we have a lot in common. We actually vibe well. Yeah. So let's rewind more. Let's go further back. Is this your first time in recovery? Or is this your second, third, fifth time? Um, well, I'll say, uh, one time I like, I like to say that, like, I kind of tried recovery and by that, I mean, like, uh, probably about like two or three months before I decided to get sober, like I got kind of like forced into a situation where I got into an Oxford house and like, I didn't take it seriously. It was the first time I'd been to like meetings willingly, but like, I basically like didn't live in the truck for like a week you know what i'm saying because i was homeless at the time and like i was like still getting high at the oxford house and then like i felt bad about it so i told the dudes and then i was like back out on the street but this is like the first time that like i've ever 
taken sobriety seriously. Like I, I made the decision, you know, like fuck this. And it wasn't even like I was going to get sober. It was just like, okay, I'm just willing to try not doing what I've been doing anymore. Sometimes it's the easy things that makes this like whole thing. Like it gets harder when you're harder on yourself, but if you give yourself room to make mistakes, it's a lot easier of a process some people are so tooth and nail about recovery that they make one mistake they're out drinking or using again because they figure this is my excuse out. But when you don't take yourself too seriously and you can find ways to give yourself some breaks, I feel like you get through sobriety a lot easier because you can take a hit on the chin and get back up again. But if you're, if you're fragile about it, a hit on the chin is going to knock you out cold. You know, it's like getting hit by Mike Tyson. You're done. Yeah. So, all right, let's let's go even further back. Um, all right, let's do it. Are you born and raised in Charleston? Yeah, born and raised in Charleston. I have I have an affinity for Charleston because my higher power is Bill Murray, who is one of the most <laughs> famous residents. He's one of the most famous residents of Charleston, if I'm not mistaken. My man, yeah. he he's like part owner of what's it, the Muck Dogs or whatever down yeah. there. Mm-hmm. The River Dogs. River Dogs. Yeah, River Dogs. (laughs) And he's always, like, popping into parties and shit. Like, that's, like, Bill Murray's town, and I love it. You know, for those who don't know, Bill Murray lives in Charleston most of the year, and he is, like, a staple resident in that town. Um, But he's also my higher power, bud. Like, seriously, like, I have um, right there. It's Bill Murray as Jesus. (laughs) Like he's he's legitimately been my higher power for years, man. It's crazy. Um, so that's why I've always I've had so many of your people from Charleston on my show because I have such an affinity for Charleston because of my higher power. That's like his little like home. So it, it's so funny that you and I hit it off as buddies because like I was like, oh, well, another Charleston kid, of course. Um, and I spent a year of my life in Durham, North Carolina, a few hours away. So like, yeah. I, I know, I know what the South is like. I I was an alcoholic in Durham, North Carolina. I lived blocks from Duke University and all the main bars. So I was at the bar six nights a week, easy in my drinking days. Damn. Like I had just lost a fiance to like suicide. So like I was spinning, spinning yeah. out. Um, so I always had this little, like, you know, thing for the Southern guys and girls. So let's see, um, born and raised in Charleston. When did you discover drugs or alcohol? What came first, chicken or the egg? Okay. So for me, all right. Well, I mean, I was like prescribed to Adderall whenever I was younger, but like outside of that, like really I got into smoking weed, man, was like the first thing. And like, like before I even like. Like, it wasn't until, like, I did, like, my my fourth and fifth step that, like, I really realized that, like, I suffered from the spiritual malady, like, my whole life, you know? Uh, what, and, now, what do you, for those who aren't in the rooms, what do you mean by spiritual malady? Okay, well, I mean, there's a, I was, I was spiritually sick. I always felt completely different and alienated from my peers, Um, you know? I always, like, felt like I was a one but needed to convince people that I was a 10 so that I could just feel like a fucking five. You know, I, I like always had to have something to like stand out and define myself by, you know what I'm saying? Like I was, I was never okay with like just being Brian. I was like, I always had to be like the drummer or the artist or the nerd or whatever. It was like always all those things before just being me. I was never comfortable in my own skin. So you know, you're, uh, yeah, okay. So um, 
when did you first get into drugs or alcohol? How old were you? Um, like I was like 11, I want to say. First me time too. I ever smoked weed. Me too. But for me, it was drinking first. Yeah. See, no. uh, I mean, like I had been given like uh like a sip of my grandfather's beer whenever I was like seven, and I was like, this is this is fucking disgusting. But like you know, like the first time I ever smoked weed, like from the first time I ever got high, like like I was. Like the fucking the the allergy and the obsession, you know what I'm saying? Like that phenomenon of craving and being the only thing I ever thought about. That was like right out the gate. Siblings? Like, uh, I have two. I have an older brother and a younger sister. Either of them in the same boat as you? Um. Well, my sister is in recovery. Um. As far as my brother goes, it's uh, you know, it's not for us to decide if somebody else is in it, but. My personal experience with him abundantly shows that he he might have what I have. Yeah, I mean, and that's we all have it in different ways. Like I'm the oldest of three, and we all have different obsessions, right? Mm-hmm. We all have different things that you know. Whether it's my sister in success, she's really driven by you know where where she's at. She works for a law firm. She's a realtor. Like she was the first one to own her own house and though she's the youngest or not the first one, but she was, she bought a house at like 22 and I'm at 36, still never a homeowner. And she's nine <laughs> years younger than me. You know what I mean? My brother, my little brother, well, he's my younger brother. Um, He's three years younger than me. And the day that I left for rehab is the day that he bought his first house. Swear to God. Damn. So like, I feel like there's, is that a cat behind you? I see a little shadow. Yeah, <laughs> I have Sorry two. About that. No, no, I have two, man. They're and they're always all over. Last night, I did an episode and I came upstairs to my studio, and my cat um, Scuba. We have Scuba and Diver are their names. They're brother and sister, and Scuba Hell was yeah. just sitting on my um, my computer chair where I sit at my um, little studio here, and she was just looking at me like I'm the asshole in the wrong spot. So. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> So you, did you have middle child syndrome? Um, yeah, I, I, I fully I believe it's real. I've seen my brother struggle with we, – we were on a road trip one time, the Montana and back from Jersey, and my brother randomly goes, you know I'm the only person in the entire family without the letter A in their name anywhere? <laughs> he was like 10, you know? like He was not that old. And my mom was challenging him. She had to call her cousin to see what her cousin's husband's name, middle name was, and it had an A in it. So, like, my brother, oh, when he, <laughs> my, bro- <laughs> when my brother picked, picked, like, a bat- whatever name, a Catholic name, he made, like, Aaron or Ad- Aardvark or something that had, like, four <laughs> A's in it or some shit. So, yeah, I understand what middle child syndrome can be like. So, you're 11, you're smoking weed. How quick does it turn into drinking? Okay, so, like, drinking for me was, like, something that, like, came later. Uh, it was definitely, like, for me, it was, like, s- smoking weed, like, and, and I know how it might sound, dude, but I was, like, smoking pot to, like, a crippling capacity. It, like, completely, like, dominated everything that I wanted to do. Like, I mean, I I passed school and shit. I I still did well in school, but, like, I didn't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, whenever I was, I want to say... 15 or 16 um i got into pain pills and uh yeah i was like 15 um they had done like the pre-surgery to like cut my wisdom teeth out 
and they gave me a prescription for uh, Lortab, seven fives. And the very first time that I took them, I took like eight of them right off the rip. How old was you know, this? Like, like 15. How, now, how old are you now? I am 37 this year. Okay, and I'll be 36, so we're around the same age, so that makes sense to me then. Okay, because um, I graduated high school in 05, and you were probably Yeah, I graduated 04. in 04. Yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. We're about the same age. So, yeah, I I discovered pills my senior year in, like, 2005 is when I got into, like, somas and, like, muscle relaxers and shit. Like, I was an alcoholic by 12. Um, by definition, I, I don't mean that I was like <clears throat> drinking like an alcoholic, like every day at 12. I mean, by 12, I was drinking to escape already. Yeah. And that's why I feel like I was an alcoholic by 12. At 11, I was drinking with my buddy watching The Outsiders. You know what I mean? Right. Like we, we wanted to be cool greasers and drink like them. Um, but by 12, the first person I knew died in my life and I didn't know how to cope with it. So I thought drinking was the way to cope with it. And boom, there's me being an alcoholic, the way I'm drinking, drinking to escape. So now the lure tabs, how quickly do you like, I want to say graduate into harder shit. Okay. So I'll say like. 15 was like Laura tabs. And by the time I was 17, I was shooting heroin. Okay. So you didn't waste yeah. time. No, no, no. I wasn't. I was in it to win it. I hopped right on the J5 Express. So did you know you were an addict already? Um, As soon as like, okay, so the whenever I first started taking the pain pills, like the the lower tabs and shit, I didn't think so much. And then like as that progressed into like I had this friend, right? And he like always wanted to like do harder drugs. And I lived in like a far less affluent area. So I had like access to these things. Not saying that like that's like a, a strictly, you know, impoverished thing, you know, because I mean A-listers do cocaine all the time, but I uh I had access to a friend who had coke and like we we started doing like I don't know like seven thousand dollars worth of cocaine a month roughly like we were stealing money from his mom to get it and she came to us one day with a bank statement and was like where the hell is all this money gone and then like of course we vehemently denied it at first and then she leaves the room and then we're like fuck dude this like this might be an issue but like instead of like me internalizing that like man I have a problem. Like in in my addiction addled brain, I was like, this is like a badge of honor. You know what I'm saying? It was like something I identify with. Like, yeah, like I'm cooler than you. I'm a fucking junkie. You know what I'm saying? And and like, you know, I kind of rocked with that whole mentality for most of my using career. You know, it was something that like I like I prided myself on. It was I guess in my head it was like people would like kind of like weaponize it against me. So I figured if like I took ownership of it was like self-deprecating about it and shit, like you couldn't use it against me if I was proud of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because I, I was the same way. Like I remember there was one time and I was living like two hours from my plug and i would drive the hour and a half two hours to go see him most of the time 
like there and back hour and a half each way. Um, and that's what, that's what no traffic. And I would do the drive most of the time. Um, but there were some times where I would be withdrawn so bad, right. That I can't make that drive. And if I had the money, I would pay somebody to meet my dude and bring him out to me. That kind of deal where I would, I would hook you up with like four, like for bringing them out to me. Cause mm-hmm. I would, I was buying bulk at the time. Cause I was making good money. Um, and I was so prideful that like, you know how people send dick pics? I used yeah. to send I used to send videos of me doing giant rails. Yeah. Like Snapchats and shit to my buddy that I used to get high with. I would send him a giant line and it all gone in seconds. Just Scarface it. Scarfacing it, bro. Like and so proud of it, recording it, like a sexualized romanticism kind of way. Yeah. Um, I equated the dick pics. Um, except people definitely didn't want to see them either one of them (laughs) anyway so um i remember this one time i was paying some dude to bring him out to me right and um i was getting like 20 of them or something 20 i was addicted to 30s straight up like 30s for a decade i never even did heroin one time that's how much i love 30s Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like your brand. You were that was that. my thing. Yeah, I didn't stray, and that was kind of my functionality too, because I wasn't going to dope. In my head, I'm like, well, I'm not shooting heroin. I'm just sniffing pills. Rationalizing it. Yeah, but being okay with it at the same time. So there's one time I'm paying this dude to bring out twenty to me, and like in my head, I'm going, all right, I got. Three I'll do tonight, two tomorrow morning. And then I'm, like, planning that. <laughs> like, that's going to stay true. The delusion. <laughs> yeah, dude shows up with 20 of them. And he says to me, he goes, hey, I um, I told my buddy how you can do six at one time. You should show him. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll show him. <laughs> Just like that, out the window, I broke up six and did a giant rail. Like, no, there was no... In my head, I was delusional about it, but I knew I was an addict. And the longer I could, like, hide it, the longer I could stay in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I totally get it. Um, the, the Almost, like, functioning because you're okay with it kind of deal where it's a badge of honor. Yeah, absolutely. All my, all my friends were drug addicts. You know what I mean? Like, I had some friends from, like, childhood that, like, maybe weren't drug addicts. But basically, if I was hanging around you, we were getting high. Let's be honest. Right. Um, and, and not just not just pills. I was I was smoking a lot to escape then too. Um, like I use cannabis today, but I don't use it to escape. I use it as a medication. I don't use it. I don't like. I won't. I won't have a bad day at work, and then get super baked on smoking because that would be escaping, in my opinion. Right. Does that make sense? No, no. Totally. So everyone and I went to a rehab in L.A. specifically to teach me how to use cannabis in a positive way. It's the first rehab of its kind in this country. Um, it, it, I don't even know if it's still there. It was called high sobriety. And <laughs> yeah. And it, it was they you locked up or you couldn't have flour. This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp. If you are looking for therapy and not able to get something right away locally, you can do that with them within 48 hours. You can find a therapist to get on telehealth with you. I mean, it's I haven't heard anything but great things. 
from people that have already done it that watch my show or listen to my show. If you're looking to get 10% off your first month, you can go to betterhelp.com backslash MJ's PNPMCA. That is betterhelp.com slash MJ's PNPMCA. Yeah, so that, I went to high sobriety and, you know, I had a doctor that I basically learned how to use cannabis as a medication. Um, instead of use it as an escapism tool, I don't recommend it for right. everybody. You know, it's definitely not for everybody. Um, but it's worked for me for the last four and a half years. So, you know, I, it's definitely not for everybody. I've seen other people use it and there's a reason why I don't think it's still around today. I think I'm one of the exceptions that actually is still sticking true to it four and a half years later. Right. It, it can be tough in mentally to be like, oh, I can escape with this technically you know what i mean so you really have to be honest with yourself to know where you're at when using it so i definitely don't recommend it for anybody <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> something it's it's harm reduction you know what i mean but still i don't recommend it for everybody no i mean but like, any- I, like i get that dude like uh, i did like the methadone thing for years and suboxone thing for years and like for me it just mika stop um it wasn't just like it was just Like, my problem with it is, like, it still, like, aggravated the allergy for me, but it didn't quiet the obsession. So, like, I was on, like, 315 milligrams of liquid methadone a day for, like, four years straight. But, like, I was still, like, banging heroin on it and shooting ice on it. And, like, you know, like, I was – it didn't stop my use. It just gave me, like, a fallback so I wouldn't be sick. Yeah, you, know? you were ba- yeah, you were yeah, exactly, as opposed to using it as an actual medication like methadone mm-hmm. can be used for to but yeah, like you said, you were just using it so you wouldn't be sick and then you would still get high anyway. Yeah, and, then, and like I would still yeah. flip out whenever I couldn't get high even though like I wasn't sick cuz like I said that that it it still mentally like, you were sick. Yeah, mentally I was I was sick as fuck. Spiritually, I was I was sick as fuck. So it was like it was just like a like a crutch that did absolutely no good for me. And then like whenever I finally came off of it, because like in my infinite wisdom, I was like, I'm just going to cold turkey 315 milligrams of methadone a day after four years. Mika, stop. Um, you know, like I, I did the, the protracted withdrawals for me, like three, four months long. Like the first two weeks I tried to withdraw from it, like I, like, didn't sleep like a wink. Like, I took, like, 90 Xanax bars in, like, fucking, like, four days and still couldn't catch a nap. You that's, know, it just had me, like, and that's absolutely, out and wanted to fight Jesus. <laughs> I was going to say, because that, yeah, that is calling for a full-on blackout. I mean, I remember one of the, le- I remember, I, I, te- I, <laughs> I remember that. Mika, stop. I remember this sorry, happened. Dude. No, you're fine. One of the last times I used Xanax. Um, and I didn't even learn my lesson. Um, I had eaten a bunch and was like, I'm going to go drive to see my plug, which like I said, was an hour or two away. Um, and I would take the Pennsylvania turnpike to New Jersey to see my dude. Right. And I would always, I'm a mile marker guy. Like I'll mark off like, okay, I know I got to get off this mile marker. So I always know where I'm at. It's my OCD is to pay attention to the numbers. People lied. Numbers don't. Um, right. (laughs) So there was the one time like, all right, I'm at mile marker, whatever. So I'm 30 miles from my exit in my head. I said that 
I swear a minute later I was 30 miles past my exit, woke up, came to, just like driving 90 miles per hour in a blackout. Yeah, way overshot the mark. Way over, by a half an hour. I had to yeah. go completely out of my way, and, you know, I wouldn't have been as upset, but I was on Xanax. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, you're wearing your Zanny panties, so you're, like, already to Hulk smash some oh. shit. <laughs> oh, my God. There's There's been some times. I remember the one time I drove there just for 230s. Jeez. Yeah, um, that's pretty harsh, man. So I get there, and, well, my logic was I could wait hours to meet somebody or go do it myself and get it over with. So I go and I, I meet my dude up and he was like, hey, my car is in the shop. Can you give me a ride to go get it? And I said, yeah, it's fine. And he hopped in the back seat because my dog was in the front seat with me. So he, right. he just hopped in the back seat and we're driving. And I was the kind of I was not waiting to take those two that I bought from him. Um, and I was the Naturally. kind of guy I, I used to do them while I was literally driving because I would just put them inside my I would drop the pill. I would take a straw. Straw. Bend, bend it in the middle and crush then it with your teeth crush it with my <laughs> teeth and then after the side of the straw well i i get them in there and i'm about to like extend the straw and fix the crease so that i can snort the entire thing i see where this is going hit a speed bump <laughs> hit a speed bump and it's all over my lap dudes in the back seat going man if i wasn't with you i would have never believed you here's two more and because he felt bad Damn. That well, that's the kind of relationship I had with my dealer is that he would feel bad for me and because he knew how much I needed him. He would just like, here's two more. I feel horrible. I know <laughs> I never would have believed you if you would have called me to say this happened, but here's two more. So but yeah, it's that, like trying to call your doctor and be like, I swear to God, all my pills fell down the sink. Like <laughs> I I've created a false police report for that. Yeah, I've done it too. Like, hey, I was broken into, and they stole all my pills. And I, if you get a police report, you know. Yeah, they'll they'll refill it for you. Yeah, it's but it's still you're falsifying a police report. Police report, yeah. Like that's not <laughs> that's it's not like it's a like slap on the wrist a lot of the times. I'm not gonna say where that happened so they can't get me. <laughs> no, no, no. I feel like don't incriminate yourself. I yeah. Mean, you but, can um, make an amends by uh, by not doing it again. <laughs> exactly. Well, I made my I I've done my ninth step a few times over by now, and my my ninth and eighth and ninth, and there's still some apologies that I need to make. I mean, if you're watching or listening, going, you never apologize to me. Hey, I'm willing to apologize. I have to be willing. <laughs> but there's no time limit on this shit as long as you're willing. <laughs> <laughs> I read it carefully, Brian. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel that. So you're one of those exceptions that you actually still live in the area that you used to get high in then. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't I didn't go to treatment. I didn't do uh anything. I'm I'm in the program, I'm what they refer to as a cash customer. Um <laughs> you know, I'm one of those people I I came in off the street. Um, I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired and, uh, started Mika. Um, and you know, like for uh, those that are listening and curious, Mika's his cat and his cat is trying to take the phone from him because he's probably paying attention to me and not Mika. Yeah, absolutely. That is, that is a very astute observation. That is exactly what's going on. She is, uh, 
She's a little shit rag sometimes. I love her to death, but she is very attention-seeking. Oh, yes. Scuba, <laughs> our one hates when my wife is on TikTok. It's almost like she knows that if she's on TikTok, because she'll start walking over her lap and getting in front of the screen and knocking the phone out of her hand. It's like, if she does an Instagram reel, she doesn't walk over. But as soon as she goes on TikTok, I swear that cat knows that she's on TikTok. It's like, hey, I'm going to watch your screen time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mika does that, too. I'll be on the phone and, like, like um, I build, like, model kits. It's, like, one of, like, my, my passions that I've been able to, like, rediscover, you know, That's since awesome. variety. Yeah. And um, so, like, I spend a lot of time building. And any time that I'm building, I'll be, like, trying detail these kits and like panel line runners and shit and like Mika wants to jump in my lap and like literally like I'm like sitting here with like lacquer liner like trying to detail these things and she just like wants to grab the sheet I'm working on and shit and like and play with them or like if I'm doing my Instagram for it like she will literally like climb in my lap she will look at my phone and then look at me and then look back at my phone and she's smart enough now that she knows if she puts her paw on the screen the screen will react so she will like swipe the screen and be like oh i'm sorry did i just fuck you up yeah my bad yeah, i my I, bad well i ended up having to get because i do all my editing on my macbook like when i'm in bed and um i had to get a macbook it, it's a macbook for cats it's ten <laughs> it's ten dollars on amazon and it looks like a macbook but it's got a small like six inch screen and it's a mirror and all the cat wants to do, we found out from TikTok, is their cat is trying to mirror us. So the cat sees me on a laptop, the cat wants to go on a laptop. But if you get the cat a laptop, they're going to stare at themselves the entire time in that little mirror and be completely like, they'll think that they're doing what you're doing. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's, That's crazy. Like the, the psychology of it that I've, I forget where we heard that, but... Once we heard it, we're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so let me ask you this. Were you homeless? Like, or like just like living like on other people's couches and shit? Okay, so like homelessness. Like like most people like go to school and get degrees and find careers. My career was homelessness. Like I, I was a professional bum for um I don't know, man. Like I could never like maintain a place to live like crashing on people's couches was like a very intermittent thing like i might have like occupied inside of somebody's residence while i was like on a two-week meth bender or something you know what i'm saying just because like yeah. we were all awake the whole time but like no nah, man like i was a professional street urchin like like people talk about when they get clean and sober like they start getting all these things back i don't know anything about that life like like, all these things that, like, I'm getting, like, I'm just now getting, you know what I'm saying? 36 years old, like, a stable place to live. Like, I I was able to buy a car not long ago. I haven't, like, owned my own car. Like, this is the longest I've ever even owned a vehicle. I've only had it for, like, fucking five months, dude. Like, if that'll give you any clue. Like, all these things, like, I'm just now getting. And, like, that's, like, what I think was, like, you know, at the time, whenever like, I was really spiritually sick and in victim mentality, you know, and all this shit was, like, happening to me and, like, what was me and my life is fucked up, like, I couldn't, for the life of me, understand the purpose in any of it. But, like, in hindsight, you know, now that, like, I am very different, you know, I'm spiritually different, I'm mentally and bodily in a better place, like, I look back on all those things that, like, I used to feel, like, so much regret and remorse for and feel so fucked up about, and I look at all of them as blessings, 
Like I spent like 22 years in active addiction. 17 of those was spent shooting heroin and crystal meth and shit like religiously. And like, I, I couldn't understand for the life of me why all that shit was happening dude. but it was all necessary, you know, for, for this path of growth that I was, you know, to later get on, because if it wasn't for those experiences, for the amount of time that I spent in like a self-inflicted prison in hell, like I would not have the appreciation for the things that I have in my life now, nor the motivation to continue to do the work because like, you know, as long as I stay doing the next right thing and, and I, I have this program of action as a way of life and continue to do this, then like, God willing, I will never go back to that. You know, like, 22 years is a hard lesson to learn. I, I would, yeah, for me, drinking 11 to 33, really, and pills was 21 to 31, a solid decade every day where it was, this was my thing. And there were a lot of, like, I used to, uh, I don't even want to get into that. It was bad. I get it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, sometimes we do shit that, like, I moved 30 times. Like, I basically was homeless because I moved so often. And right. it was like, I would be like, I'm going to go to Massachusetts. I'm going to go to North Carolina. I'm going to go to Pennsylvania. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go do this. And I always had different things that, like, all this, like, built up in my head. I'm going to go there, and all this is going to change. And the problem is I would go there and then be the same person there as I was there, and then the cycle continues. Yeah, you and, take you with you wherever you go. Yeah, it didn't matter that I was in North Carolina and I didn't have my pills nearby. Because guess what was nearby? Plenty of bars. Yeah. Like, I lived in downtown Durham. I didn't have to drive to any of the bars. It was literally a half a cigarette, because I measure everything in cigarettes. It was a half a cigarette walk from my place to the bar where I had to finish my smoke real quick to get in to get to my... I had my own chair. I had my own... Like, if somebody was sitting in my seat when I walked in, the bartender was like, hey, he was actually there. He was smoking. You got to get up. Because <laughs> I was that tipper. I was a hell of a tipper. So, you know, I was preferably, my drinks were a lot heavy-handed because yeah. I knew how to tip. But that was just me being an alcoholic every day. Yeah, yeah. that's self-seeking at its finest. <laughs> and, then, and then I would still buy pills. I would still, like... I would tr I would Western Union money up to New Jersey and then have my dude overnight him to me and then sit there and stare at the tracking like a crackhead. And <laughs> the one time they ended up in Alabama and oh, it was no. a weekend and I had to wait until Alabama sent them back up and had to pray that no one opened the box and yeah. all that shit. And I was just like stalking the mailman on Monday, like, come on, motherfucker, I know you're coming. Um, it's that kind of shit, man. It's wild. And I'm people say shit about weed to me about weed. And I literally laugh at them because I can go days and weeks on end without it. And I'm, I'm a little more sick in the head, but I'm not like ever to the point where I run out and I'm like, okay, who can I lie, cheat and steal from in order to get more weed? And that's the difference to me. Yeah, I mean, like I said, man, if it if it works for you, I just I know my experience and myself well enough to know, dude. Like, it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, like I can't even like, like every now and again, like my wife will like take a melatonin to go to sleep, and then she'll be like, you know, do you want a melatonin? And I'm like, like no, 
because like I know myself, like if I'm gonna take one, then the next time I take them, I'm gonna be like, well, I can just take six to get to sleep even and sooner. And even though it's like not narcotic, like that is relapse behavior. And it, like, it, it's it's not it, like I said earlier, it's not how much, it's why. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a lot of it's your motivations behind it and shit. You know what I'm saying? So like I don't I don't take anything but like ibuprofen. You know what I'm saying? I now I drink java monster 300s religiously every morning whenever i wake up for work and i still vape so like emotional yeah. sobriety i guess to a certain extent is like you know still something that i'm working on i still you know smoke cigarettes bro i still drink coffee every morning I, I smoke cigarettes every day i've cut back to like five cigarettes a day now like it's almost noon today and i still haven't had a cigarette oh, yeah. so, so there's a lot of it <laughs> i i once used to see this guy a lot of meetings and he used to say, I never quit any drugs. I just stopped starting. Yeah, that makes sense. And to me, that makes a lot of sense because I can't quit smoking cigarettes. But I can go as long as I can go without starting again. Because sometimes I'll go 12, 18 hours without a cigarette. And then once I have one, I have four. You know, right. once I break that seal open, it's over. So, but I can usually go on when I'm not working on the weekends, I can go a, a decent time without having a smoke. It's usually motivated by like, oh, I'm going to make a phone call. And then like, I let up a smoke to make a phone call and that kind of thing. But, right. um, so what are some things that you do now to like, I don't want to say escape. You said you do model stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say that like, I don't still have like an obsessive nature. Like, and I don't know, like, once you you get to a point in sobriety, like, some, like, questions that you wouldn't think start to become significant, like, do start to become significant. Like, like, uh, I, like, I watch a lot of anime, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, like, I'm pretty much, like, almost like an independent contractor at my job. Um, I'm on the management team for Back of House. I'm, like, the prep cook supervisor. And so, like, like, I work for the restaurant that I work for. Like, I'm employed by them, but whenever I go to work, people don't fuck with me. Like, I just, I go in, I clock in, and then I do what I do. Like, as long as I get my work done, I can pretty much make my own hours and whatnot. So, like, I just, like, I just listen to, like, death metal all day. Like, I have my headphones in, people don't talk to me. So, well, you like, said just, you're like, a drummer, right? Yeah. Did I've you? Been since I was, like, 15. Did you see Sound of Metal? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, My buddy that I used to live with just won an Academy Award for doing the music, the audio um, effects. To, oh, wait, you're, you're talking about the, the movie um, about the, the drummer? drummer? Yeah. Yeah, I have seen that, yeah. Yeah, my buddy won an Academy Award for doing the audio to that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's He's my, my old roommate, and um, so I, I didn't see it. I just know that he won the Academy Award, and it's about a drummer. Yeah, Whenever that's pretty I, dope. Whenever I think of drummers, what did I just watch? Um, the Dirt. Did you yeah. watch? Did you see that? Yeah, I've seen that. Absolutely. You know that's a, you know that Ozzy story with him sniffing the ants is a true story. Yeah, absolutely. Like he did that shit right in front of them, like by the pool, just doing like it. And someone asked, I, I saw an interview on Stern, and what's his name? The um, the friggin' heroin addict in Motley Crue. Um, Nikki Sticks. Nikki Sticks. Stern asked him, like, hey, is this true, this story? Because this is when the book came out. And he said, he goes, was, was Ozzy trying to impress you guys or something? And he goes, Ozzy didn't care about anybody, impressing anybody. 
he was just that crazy that him snorting a line of ants was going to be how he got high that day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think he's definitely one of us. (laughs) Um, Ozzy's 100% one of us, and so is his kids, and like... Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I But then again, imagine growing up in that kind of turmoil, too. It's hard to not escape, you know? Yeah. So, so you're listening to music helps you a lot, and plus you're in the rooms a lot, too, I take it? Uh, Yeah, so, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, one thing, like, like, my wife says that, like, I'm passionate about, like, my models and stuff, but, like, do I go a little overboard with it? Like, yeah. Do I feel like it's unhealthy? No, like it's not hurting my finances. It's not taking away from my time in the rooms and working with others. You know what I'm saying? But it's like something that like I do do all the time. But like, so, like one thing that like I've learned in sobriety is that like obsessive nature that I have, like the way that like I can kind of benefit that or from that and kind of turn it on its ear a little bit is like I'm a very routine oriented person. You know how we addicts are like we don't like change. You know what I'm saying? So like one thing I've learned is to like establish these routines, like talking to my sponsees, talking to my sponsor, the meetings that I hit and things like that. And have incorporated like recovery and things of that nature into my life to a point where it's in a, an established routine and my obsessive nature won't let me fuck that up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like I, I've gone after like the recovery thing with that same obsessive nature that like I've applied to other things in my life. And I mean, so far it's worked out for me. I mean, I've never accumulated sobriety before in my life. And this time, like I decided that I was going to do it, you know, and, and I, you know, should like to think I came after it with the desperation of a drowning man, you know, and then after being a world-class fuck up for my entire life, you know, I'm, I'm able to sit here today, you know, 16 months sober, you know, and, and by God's grace, I'm still here. And like, I've been given like all these wonderful gifts, you know, but like the, the sobriety and recovery thing is like, you know, my sponsor and I were talking about it one day. It is like a gift and it's not something to be squandered, you know, like the whole reason that I'm still here is that I've learned the way out, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's, I'm obligated to, it's my responsibility. It's my duty to help share that with other people, you know, because it's like, you know, at the, at the end of meetings, you know, like the reading, um, you know, reaching out, you know, the whole reason that I am, I'm here today is uh, a combination of what, what's God's plan was for me, my level of willingness. And the fact that somebody worked their 12 step on me, you know what I'm saying? Like a man reached out to me whenever I was sick and suffering and, and showed me that there was a different way, you know, and, and I wouldn't be here today because like if i can't take suggestions and take advice from another man who i can see tangibly on this on this plane you know like how am i going to listen to what god has for me you know god higher power you know like yeah whatever you want to call it yeah good early direction i had a big problem with saying god early on until someone said oh just say good early direction in your head every time and you'll be okay with it and i'm like really and it's the truth yeah or or, uh growth or death is a good one Oh, I didn't hear. I didn't ever heard that one. That is a good one. Growth or death. That's a good one. Yeah, because uh, I mean, for me, that's that's absolutely what it was. You know, like I, I spent like two months in the hospital uh, on my deathbed. I had MRSA in my blood from uh from shooting dope, and uh, like 
it settled in my neck. I lost two vertebrae in my neck. Like my whole neck is like a titanium cage. I'm like weapon X from like here up. And, uh, you know, that, that's, you know, that was God saved me from that. And like, you know, it was like, apparent. like there was a point in time when my physicians like called my mother and let her know that like, if my condition didn't turn around in the next two days or so that they were going to have to start making arrangements to bury me and shit. That was early in sobriety. Um, no, that was, um, at, like the end of my last run towards the end it was uh i was in the hospital i was in musc like i was a full-time resident and i don't mean like student resident in musc from uh like early october until the beginning of december of uh 2020 so during so, covid um yeah covid was still going on yeah it was um, yeah it just yeah, started it was, yeah it was it was 2020 because i got sober in may of 2021 so that didn't even stop you. No, no, I, I, I got out. Um, they gave me enough, uh, Dilaudid for like to last me two days. So, I mean, like, of course, like I ate that before I left the hospital. Um, and then like, I, it took me like two months to recover from my surgery, dude. And even so like a, a week out of the hospital, like my brother and I were staying in a friend of his spare bedroom for a few days. And I convinced this man, well, like, I, I mean, like, I still got, like, tubes and shit hanging out of my surgery wounds. And I convinced him to let me borrow his car, cooked up some bullshit lie that I'm sure at the time that I felt like he honestly believed. And uh, I borrowed his car and went to North Charleston and, and went and, like, begged a buddy for dope. I was right back to shooting dope again, you know what I'm saying, a week out of the hospital. Like, it, it, it didn't slow me down, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, I was just in the grips of it that hard, you know? Yeah, it, it's... I know exactly what you mean. It's it's crazy to think about. Like, I remember this one time I went to Chicago for the weekend. And this was eight months before I stopped doing pills. And I went with my brother, sister, her, you know, now now husband. And um, it was just a like a weekend getaway to go to Chicago and see a bunch of cool shit. And I went for the free trip. Um, and I ran out of pills that Friday morning. And I didn't withdraw all weekend long. I don't know what it was, but I did not go into withdrawals at all that entire weekend. I even drove back into town the eight hours or whatever, 12-hour drive, and I'm like, hmm, I haven't withdrawn in three days. This is probably a good idea to quit now. And then, of course, I get one text message saying I'm good, and that it's a wrap. Mm -hmm. Oh, yep. I need – I wasn't ready. Yeah, I, and then I, your I, mind I, convinced you you were sick immediately. Then <laughs> all of a sudden I was in pain. I'm like, oh, I'm glad that you're good. I'll be there in two hours. Like, it didn't stop me. Um, but I'm glad we got to sit down and talk because we love to share memes with each other and shit. And so I I haven't heard your story. So I was like, you know what? I got to get Brian a shout to see if he wants to be on this. So I'm glad yeah, we got a chance that. to sit down and, you know, talk. And I'm sure he'll be on again. We can have some more fun. But thanks again, man, for taking the time. I appreciate it. And congrats on everything and the little boy on the way. That's awesome, dude. That's so awesome. That's the gifts right there, man. Yeah, the promises, bro. Yep. All right. Have a great day, man. All right. Thanks, Yeti. All right. See you. All right. Later.